0: the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open he uh, seeing the prison doors open he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I wanted to preach on that. I had a sermon on uh, on the answer to the great question what must I do to be saved? But notice verse 31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. Let's pray. Father, I can't thank you enough, God, for your mercy and goodness. Lord, thank you so much for the songs that were sung tonight. Every song goes right along with the message that you've given me to preach. God, I know in my weak, feeble body and in this flesh, God, I cannot preach the way this message needs to be preached unless your Holy Spirit fills me. God, that's my desire. I want to be so filled with your spirit, God, that this world will just fade away and Jesus and his glory will just be all over me. Have your will and way in this service tonight. Bless the message, Lord. God help us. And I pray when the service is over that your will might be done in each heart. Lead us and guide us down in Christ's name and for his sake we pray. Amen and amen. I do not normally promote myself, but I've I've just got to tell you this tonight. For some time, we've had a little program on Facebook. We do it every Monday and Tuesday evening called Prospecting the Word. I didn't realize that it's going to go anywhere. And when I preach on there every Monday and Tuesday evening or teach, Uh, it seems that there's not a whole lot of followers. But then after it's over, and I begin to look back over that program, I have people from everywhere across the world that let me know that they are tuning in and they're watching that program. And just a couple of weeks ago, a brother... And I'm not going to name the country tonight for the sake of uh, protection uh, for this brother or his name, but he's in a country to which it's not favorable to the gospel. And he reached out to me. He said, I would like to partner with you, with your broadcast. He said, I've been watching your broadcast and he said, I I like your messages and, and he related to me, he said, there's between three and 500 remote areas where he is that the gospel is not going. to have no internet service, no way of getting the internet into these people. And he said, I would like to take your sermons. If you would video some sermons to me, he said, I would like to translate those videos, and to carry them into these remote areas and show them on a screen to these people. I'm telling you, folks, you don't know how humble that makes me. Because I never dreamed God could ever use an old hillbilly stump jumper like me from the mountains of Virginia to ever carry the word of God to the far reaches of this world. And just last night, a brother from Uganda, he, he told about a church that there's, he said, we started a little church and there's 67 people. And he said, amongst all 67 of us, he said, there's only 11 Bibles. And he said, he said I'm trying to teach these folks. And he said, we've been looking at your video. Has been looking at your page. And he said, we've decided among us that we want you to be a spiritual father to us and teach us the word of God and teach us what you know. And I told his brother a while ago, I said, man, I don't know how to do this. I, I'm, I might be smart at a few things, but video and PCs and computer and all that, I'm not smart in all that. And I don't know how to go about doing that, but I see, boys, I said, will y'all help me to get this stuff together and try to get the word of God into these places. My heart goes out to these people. When people right here in America won't even listen to the word of God and these people are begging for somebody, teach us the word. Reminds me of, of when the Holy Spirit called Paul and the man in the dream, Paul saw it in a vision saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And that's the vision I see tonight. There's people who want the word of God and I want to do my best to try to get it to them. I'm not smart and I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, but I know Jesus and I can tell them about him, amen? So you help us to pray about that. And that's just some of the things that God's doing through that program through this church. I said a long time ago, I said, God help us as a church, not myself, but as a church, to be able to get all over the world with the word of God. And it seems like God's doing it. He just can't use one man to do it. He's got to use all of us as a body to try to get the gospel out. So you, you have me to pray about that, that we can do that. All right, the message for tonight, Paul and Silas said, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. I don't have to remind you tonight that the name that got them in this prison to start with was the Lord Jesus Christ. That name is a name that ought to grace the lips of every mortal man. But it doesn't. It may grace their lips in cursing. His name is cursed more than it's praised. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the name of Jesus Christ either invokes calm, freedom, and rest in the believer, the child of God, or it provokes conflict, fury, and rebellion in the unbeliever and the backslider. That's where we are in our world today. Either folks are praising God and praising the Lord Jesus Christ or they're cursing him. It's happening in some churches. He is cursed when men get up in the pulpit and deny his deity. He is praised when men get up in the pulpit and exalt him and lift him up in mighty power through and by the grace of God. I want to tell you this evening that the Lord Jesus Christ is a name that is above every name. It's a precious name. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. He said, To you who have believed on his name, it's a precious name. But to you who do not believe, who do not like the name, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, Remember, he's become the head of the corner and he's going to be the stumbling stone that you stumble over. His name either saves or it is causing those who are unsaved to stumble over that name. And that's what man's doing today when uh, he rejects the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is his name a precious name, but his name is a powerful name. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is a necessity. It's a must. I one time did a study on the must in the Word of God. Brother, there's a bunch of them. And this is one of them here it says, if you are expected to get to heaven, you must be saved by the name of Jesus Christ. It's not Allah. It's not some other God, but it's Jesus Christ. Not only is his name powerful, but his name is preeminent. Philippians 2, 9 and 10 said, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That means every being upon the face of this earth ought to praise his name and one day they will bow their knee to the name of Jesus Christ. Madeline Mary O'Hare said many years ago, she said, no man has to bow down to any God. I wish I could face her right now and see what she thinks about that situation today. Especially when they found her body bleaching out with her son and uh, I think if I remember correctly, it was three that were murdered and they found their bones many years later after she became missing, bleaching out uh, in a a grave somewhere where they'd been buried, they'd been killed, buried because they stole money off of that atheist group that says there was no God. I'm here to tell you tonight my friend and I make no bones about it that if you do not bow your knee to Jesus Christ in this walk of life you will bow one day at the great white throne judgment when he sits upon the throne every knee will bow every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God not to salvation Right now, you can run to the altar and fall on your face before him and be saved. But in that day, when you fall on your face before him, it will only be to the glory of God, declaring him to be who he said he was. No other name like that name. It's a pacifying name. John 14, what? You want to get pacified? Let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. Brother, I'm telling you, that pacifies me. Thank God that not only could I believe in God, but I could also believe in his son and get salvation by believing on the son. Without the son, you can't see salvation. You, you, you have no salvation without the son. You can believe in God or you want to. And I I don't doubt that many believe in God, but they do not believe that Jesus Christ is his son. And they say, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe this son of God stuff. I often tell folks, when you want to see Jesus for who he really is, and you want to see God for who he really is, and you want to see spiritual things for what they really are, Get your mind off of the humanistic side of things and get your mind on the spiritual. You'll see things then that you can't see humanly speaking. Now, the name of Jesus Christ blossoms on the pages of history like the flowers of a thousand spring times in one bouquet. You think about that. Oh, his name is so sweet. It's like walking through. Have you ever walked through a honeysuckle patch when the honeysuckle is in full bloom? Man, I'm telling you, you're talking about a sweet smell. But compared to the name of Jesus Christ smelling, the honeysuckles is not even in it, brother. Oh, there's such a sweetness in his name. And the focal point of history points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Prophecies pointed to him in the Old Testament and were fulfilled in the New Testament. Both testaments of the Bible point to the Lord Jesus Christ and they point to the great fact of history, the great force of history, and the great future of history. Without him, there is no history. Without him, we cannot exist. Without him, there's a grim future. But oh, I'm here to tell you, he could come before the night's over. I'm gonna tell you my future's not grim. I don't care what's going on around me. The future is not grim. I'm looking for him. And he could come before the night's over. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Every day when I wake up, I am ready for Jesus to come. The Old Testament conceals Christ and the New Testament reveals him. The Old Testament promises Christ and the New Testament presents him. The Old Testament pictures Christ and the New Testament produces him. The Old Testament symbolizes Christ and the New Testament sacrifices the Lord. The Old Testament is law which Christ fulfilled and the New Testament is love which Christ exhibits. You think about that for a moment. Under the Old Testament law, there was only judgment and damnation. But under the love of Jesus Christ and under the New Testament, brother, there's the love and mercy of Jesus Christ to lost souls. Take the Lord Jesus Christ out of the Bible and it would be like taking calcium out of time and carbon out of diamonds. Take Christ out of the Bible, and it becomes a harp without a player, a song without a singer, and a palace with all doors locked. That song that she sang just a, little, a few moments ago thrills my heart. But you take out the song and the music, and brother, you have emptiness. If there's no song, it's empty. From Genesis to Revelation, the theme of Scripture is the Lord Jesus Christ with all books of the Bible pointing and picturing him in some way or another. Can I tell you a little bit about him? In Genesis... He is the creator that fashioned the universe with the words of his mouth and the seed of the woman that would bruise the head of the serpent. In Exodus, he is the manna that satisfies hungry souls, the rock for the unstable, the great I am, who is all things to all men and the Passover lamb, whose blood redeems men from the destruction of eternal death. In Leviticus, He is the great high priest and the sacrifice for sin. In Numbers, he is the star out of Jacob, the pillar of cloud and fire that gives direction and protection and the brazen serpent who is lifted up and saves those who look to him and trust him by faith. In Deuteronomy, he's the faithful prophet. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he is the delivering judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In Samuel, he's the rejected king and the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder and restorer of the broken walls of our life. In Esther, he's our advocate and deliverer. In Job, he is our daysman and hedge of protection. In Psalm, he is our Messiah and shepherd. In Proverbs, he is wisdom, the lover of our souls and the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Oh, hallelujah. That excites me. In Ecclesiastes, he is the creator and the sum total of life. In Song of Solomon, he's the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, and the altogether lovely one that brings fragrance and beauty into one's life. He is our lover and bridegroom. And who's coming? We eerily await. Hallelujah, glory to God. In Isaiah, he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father and prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the bomb of Gilead that heals the wounds of sin, the power that molds, makes, breaks, and shapes our lives into his image and the weeping prophet who is burdened for the sinner. In Lamentations, he is the smitten one, the man of sorrows. In Ezekiel, he is the son of man and the shepherd. In Daniel, he's the ancient of days, the smiting stone, and the fourth man in the Fire furnace who is always with us in the flames. Man, I'm telling you. Lord God, hallelujah. In Hosea, he is the healer of the backslider and restorer of the ruined. In Joel, he is our hope. In Obadiah, he is our savior. In Jonah, he is our resurrection and life. In Micah, he is the messenger with the beautiful feet and witness against the nations. In Nahum, he is a stronghold in the day of trouble. In Habakkuk, he is the anchor of our soul. In Zephaniah, he is the jealous Lord. In Haggai, he's the desire of all nations. In Zechariah, he's the smitten shepherd, the righteous branch, and the fountain of cleansing for the sinner. Aren't you glad today that he cleansed you? Aren't you glad that one day he came by where you dwell? In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. <laughs> with healing in his wings. That's not all. Let me tell you what the New Testament says about him. In Matthew, he's the king of the Jews. In Mark, he's the suffering servant. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he is the dynamic, the dynamite, of the church and the living Lord who has ascended on high and sits at the right hand of God the Father as our intercessor. I'm glad I don't have to go it alone. I'm glad when the devil's there to accuse me, I've got an intercessor, an advocate that's sitting at the right hand of God. The Father says, that's all right, Father. I'm taking care of that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank God that I have one that's interceding for me this evening. In Romans, he is our righteousness and justifier. I didn't have any of my own, but he gave it to me. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians, he is the first fruits from among the dead. In Second Corinthians, he is our sufficiency. In Galatians, he is our liberator and redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is our armor and the head of the church. In Philippians, he is our joy, strength, and the supplier of our every need. In Colossians, He is the preeminent one and the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In 1 Thessalonians, he's our returning Lord. In 2 Thessalonians, he's the returning judge. In 1 Timothy, he's the mediator. In 2 Timothy, he's our example. In Titus, he's our our pattern and faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's the one who said, put that on my account. Uh, Remember that story? Paul met Onesimus and he sent him back to his master and he sent a letter back and he said, if he owes you anything, put that on my account. Brother, I'm here to tell you tonight that everything I owed was put on the account of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's paid in full. Hallelujah. I don't have to pay a dime. I, I couldn't pay for it. If I could, I wouldn't know how much. It's been paid for word of God said he took his blood to the mercy seat there in heaven and put his blood on the mercy seat in heaven and bought an eternal redemption for me. though well, I've got redemption that's eternal and it won't be taken away from me. In Hebrews, he is our intercessor at the throne and our high priest. In James he is the lord who heals the sick and draws us nigh in first peter he's the suffering lamb and the precious cornerstone in second peter he's our strength in first john he is the life in second john he's the truth In 3 John, he's the way. In Jude, he is our keeper and the believer's security. In Revelation, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Brother, I'm telling you, you can't get him out of the scriptures. Wherever you look in the scriptures, you see the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody said, when you're looking at the word of God and you can't figure, uh, figure it out, just look For Jesus, and you'll have it because He's on every page if you just look for Him. The survival of mankind hinged on His arrival, His life, His death, and most of all, His resurrection. What you have in Christ depended on whether he came out of the grave or not. Now, if he's still dead, you're still in your sins and you have no hope. But if he's alive and you've trusted him, praise God, you have a hope that this world can't take away from you. I feel sorry for the man that goes to bed every night and he don't know what's going to happen if he don't wake up. That that, that must be a miserable way to live. I lived that way for about 28 years, 27, 28 years before I got saved. And I I know I was miserable living in sin. But I want to tell you, since I met Jesus, I lay down on my pillow at night and I sleep very well. Except sometimes when these joints get to hurt so bad, and that comes with age, and some of you who are young, you'll find that out if the Lord lets you live. And when you see uh, Brother Hill and myself and, and Brother Mike, and we're having to get a hold of something and we're stumbling around trying to climb these steps and falling down them and all that, you you one day you can you look back and say, yeah, I remember those brothers. It finally caught up with me. <laughs> Miss Sue, we know all about it, don't we? <laughs> But you know what? I'm only as old as eternity. Because one of these days, I'm going to have a new body. Amen. And that brother was talking about the other night running in the church. I'd try that myself, but I'm afraid I'll kill myself. <laughs> but I want you to know one of these days, I'm going to have a body when I won't have to run. I can just step out on the air. Can you imagine that? Man, I can't imagine it. I, I really can't. We used to lay around when we was kids and out in the yard and the clouds, the way they are thick now, and we'd look at them clouds and used to lay there as kids and make all kinds of shapes. We'd see a horse, a dog, or something laying there looking at the clouds. And we used to lay there and think, what it'd be like to just Get up on top of one of those big fluffy clouds, you know, that sort of goes up like this and just lay back and lay your head on that thing and stretch your feet out and just float across the sky. We used to do that when we was kids. What would it be like? What would it be like to be like a bird and just fly away? Did you know that that is exactly what's going to happen one of these days? And I've tried to imagine this, and I haven't found anything. The Word of God even gives an inkling of what it's going to be like in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when this body is changed into the likeness of His body. When the door is closed and He just appears on the inside of the room with the door being locked. Or to just walk right up to. The wall and just go right on through. I can't imagine that, but that's the kind of body we're going to have. Hey, did you know the best that you can do right now with your mind is to think, but you can't put it into operation what you're thinking about, really. Now, you may say, I think I can go through that wall, but your thinking may think that, but you know. Humanly speaking, you're not going to be able to do that. But in eternity, when you get that new body, the fastest that man can go today, humanly speaking, or as much as he knows, is the speed of light, which is what, 186,000 some miles per second. That's getting it. But you can't travel that fast. You know what the fastest thing is? The speed of thought. Now you think would be but there was old Daniel. He was about to be cast into a den of lions for disobeying the governor's orders or the president's orders not to pray. But Daniel's used to doing it three times a day so he did what he's used to been doing and prayed anyhow and they grabbed him up and and took him in and uh, they threw him in that den of lions. Now get the picture. From the time they opened the den and threw him in, an angel was dispatched from glory and shut their mouths before Daniel hit the bottom. That's That's scripture. Word of God said uh, next morning when the king went out there and said, Daniel is your God. Is your God able to keep you? And old Daniel said, Long live the king. And then Daniel said, The Lord has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they've not hurt me. Now that's fast. And that's about one day what we'll have is uh, we are, we'll be able to travel in eternity. Just, I believe, by speed of thought. You be here and you think and you're the there wherever, wherever, you know, wherever the Lord allows us to go. And I'm not going to try to tell you what all God has for us, but I believe it's better than anything we'll ever picture. I don't think our mind can comprehend or even contain uh, the things that God has for his people in eternity. I don't think we, hey, brother, I don't think we're just going to go over there and sit down. I believe God's going to have things for us to do, things for us to see for all eternity. I believe there'll be something for all eternity for us to see and do. My mind can't comprehend that and yours can't either. But it's sure worth being ready to meet him, isn't it? Those that love the Lord... Endeavor to bring so much honor and glory to him as possible. But all of our strength and attempts seem to fail when it comes to trying to honor him, especially in these bodies in which we have. I've said it many times. I cannot praise him the way that I want to praise him in this body of flesh. It's impossible. The flesh just cannot praise him the way that I want to praise him. Brother, when I get that new body and I can praise him like I ought to praise him, like I want to praise him, I know exactly what I believe every one of us is going to be doing. We're going to be down on our knees before his feet. We're going to be looking at those nail prints And we're going to be saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my sin up on the tree. And I believe there's going to be some praising and shouting and singing and hallelujahs going on uh, throughout heaven for all eternity. And you say, preacher, you're making too much racket. You better get used to it, brother, because where we're going, this is only a drop in the bucket. And if you go to hell, there's going to be a whole lot more screaming and wailing and gnashing of teeth in hell than there is you've ever heard. So either place is going to be a, I believe it's going to be a noisy place. A place of praising. We can't do that. The Lord Jesus Christ was a man of strength and beauty. He was a man who had tremendous power in his grasp. Yet for our sakes, he showed great restraint. Remember, Philippians said that he he didn't give up his deity, but he refused to use his deity to get all the things that he could have gotten while he was here on this earth because of his humanity. He became one of us to suffer like us to take up on himself our sin in a human body and to suffer for that sin which he could not do without the body. Can you imagine God, holy, righteous, God without sin, can't even think unrighteousness, taking up on himself a body of flesh? And being hung on a cross today for the sin of the world. And I read a book by, I think it was Lehman Strauss who wrote a book on the day that God died. Well, I'm here to tell you now, God didn't die, but the God man did. The flesh died. And When he hung on the cross, in order for him to die, he had to dismiss his spirit in order to die. Had he not dismissed his spirit hanging on the cross, he would have never died. Are you able to do that? So many people throw off on the Lord and do not believe that he is real. But he died. He gave up his spirit. Word of God said he he gave up the ghost. He bowed his head, gave up the ghost and died. Did you know there never has been another who was the victim of a Roman cross and the victor of a Jewish grave? There never was another who was a lion with the power to crush empires underfoot, yet was led as a lamb to the slaughter. There never was a man who spake as Jesus spake, and yet as a sheep before her shears is dumb. There never was another who poured all seas, all lakes, and all rivers out of the crystal chalices of eternity, yet on a cross said with a mouth hot like West Texas desert wind that cries for rain, I thirst. Never a man like that man. There never was another who was a human child and a divine son. There never was another who was... uh, Another who was a wounded by Satan and at the same time crushed Satan. There never was another who died and was buried yet lived by his own power. There never was another who had no sin in him yet all sin was upon him. The Lord Jesus Christ was wisdom incarnate and was also mocked and derided as a fool. Our Lord was the king of glory, yet wore no crown, but a crown of thorns. Our Lord was the epitome of truth, yet was, uh, was accused to his face of being a liar, a hypocrite, and an imposter. The injustice of mankind demands an attempt to begin to correct that injustice. And that is why the Lord Jesus Christ deserves The praise and worship of men for who he really is and what he lovingly did for you and me. Do you think he deserves our praise? Does he deserve our honor? Does he deserve our hallelujahs? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. That's our message. There's no other name like that. If I tried to preach everything that the word of God teaches about him, we'd be here for eternity and we still wouldn't get done. But I hope I have given you enough tonight that if you're not saved... You'll get up out of that seat and come down to this altar as so many of us have, and get on your face before Him and say, Lord, I believe. I thank You for dying for me, and I trust You as my Savior. Would you do that tonight? I know there's been several services that went by, and hands have been raised here, and nobody came. He's a name that is above every name, and he yet is willing to save you if you'll trust him. Let's stand our feet with our heads bowed. Brother Brandon, come on.